Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Um, just Mike and I today. I, I, I think that you need to have a bigger, bigger Nordiques emblem on that hat. I know. This is my small Nordique emblem hat. Um, Jesus. Yeah. I know I have another one, um, but yeah, I, I I love this hat. It's funny you wear this hat, and it's like you really get the true hockey fans out there. You know, you get like because everybody comes up to you, is like, "Oh man, cool hat," kind of thing. You know, you get that constantly. Really great. I've seen that T-shirt around, and I've seen like the Hartford Whalers T-shirt. Oh, yeah. Like, shoot, one second, guys. Sorry, someone at the door. I'm gonna pause for one second. Continue <laughs> your thought. I gotta get this real fast. Come on, okay, one. just just mute yourself. I'll st- I'll stretch. Um, well, we're gonna take some questions in the chat, so people start putting your questions in there. Um, also, uh, we're gonna talk uh, about some. Uh, well, the rumor that I posted yesterday about uh, Eric Carlson and, and Max Pacioretty. Um, we'll we'll discuss that as well because and and today he posted um, the uh, stuff about Artemi Panera and how he may not. You know, probably will not be moved. And I mean, this is a situation in Columbus where, you know, you've got two of your linchpin franchise cornerstones in Panarin and Bobrovsky, who are both the UFA at the end of the year, and whether they're going to be able to get them under contract. Now, we pretty much know that that Panarin is is gone is gonzo. I mean, it's a question of. Um, you know, where he's going to go and how he's going to go, whether he'll be traded before the deadline or whether he'll be, uh, he'll just go, uh, as an unrestricted free agent and sign someplace. And, um, you know, the indications are that, I mean, Columbus probably right now, if it's anything like the offers that Ottawa was getting for Carlson and that other teams were giving for player, giving for players who are on the last year of their deal, they're offering deals that are consistent with rental prices. And that's not what these teams are looking for. They're expecting to get more than a rental price because a rental price is essentially, you know, renting a player for two months, you know, and maybe the playoffs. If it's a whole year, then, you know, then they're expecting to get more. But most of these teams that are interested in these players are not sort of borderline players for the playoffs their players, their their teams that are you know probably serious contenders, and they they realize that they're going to make the playoffs one way or the other. So trading for a player early, they're not going to give up more than what they would give up at the deadline. So that's why I think there's a little bit of an impasse with players out there like uh, you know like Carlson, like Pacioretty, like Panera, and like you know. But there isn't many talk about Bobrovsky being traded, but. Players with a, le- a year left in these deals, these teams are expecting to get not a boatload, but they're expecting to get a good return. And if they're not getting a good return, wh- they're basically figuring, why don't we hold on to these guys? Wayne Simmons is another one. Why don't we hold on to these guys to the deadline? And then the prices usually go up a little bit because teams who are contenders are a little desperate to to add that player that could be the difference between, you know, getting around further in the playoffs or even winning a Stanley Cup. Oh, no question about that. All right, so what we're gonna, yes, like Mike might have said, we're gonna take some questions today. We're gonna talk about other stuff too. We're gonna get into um, into the into the Pacioretty stuff, uh, the Panarin stuff, and um, yeah, and yeah, and just uh, do our best to entertain you over the next hour or so here. Um, yeah, so if you want to, if you want to get into the chat room, what you do is you go to the YouTube page for this, um, which if you're on the blog, which is where you should be watching it, we appreciate that. Stay on there, <laughs> um, and then. Um, and then click on the YouTube, click on the YouTube button in there. It'll take you to YouTube, and you'll see the actual chat room on the right. Right. Um, and that's where you can then you can add that stuff in there. And if you want it, or if you want to just tweet to add Eckland, um, you can tweet a question, and we'll try to get. We'll do like a little AMA thing. Um, and we are we're promising not to mention Mike Gardner during this show. That's going to be the rule. Huh? 
Apparently, some in the chat room think that we've mentioned Gardner a little too much. Oh, Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner. I'm Mike Gardner. You see, that's how old I am. Mike oh. Gardner. I think Jake Gardner. So well, no, no Jake. Well, it's a completely Jake Gardnerless show, except for this part right now, which, which I'm talking about, not talking about Jake Gardner. Besides, let me tell you about Jake Gardner. I don't know. Besides that, we're not talking about Jake Gardner. Gardner. Um, so completely. <laughs> nothing else. Okay. So, um, all right. So, uh, first question, actually. But let, let's get. Let's start right off in the show here. Ready to go. Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, August 16th, 2018. I'm Jake Gardner. <laughs> I'm Michael Lagella. <laughs> and I am not Jake Gardner. And you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. Um, this is a podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And no more. We can definitely talk about Mike Gardner if you'd like to. Thank you. <laughs> nah, can't talk about Jake. I, I remember Mike, Mike Gardner. Um, Gardner. How about Paul? How about Paul Gardner? Can we talk about him? Yeah, right. Sure, sure, sure. There you go. Uh, first question: Where did I get this hat? So we're doing a little Q and A thing. Where did I get this hat? Um, that is a really good question, and I got this hat um, on the Ocean City Boardwalk in New Jersey. So if you're ever like around, you know, just a hat store, but you know, that's where you get. You know, this hat is way too hip for my own good, and we're <laughs> not the. Um, that's what I've decided. That's what my kids have decided to. We're not like such yo, a yo yo yo. Logo. I know. Like, I'm, I really should wear it like this. Yeah. You know? Um. But I don't. It's funny because, like, I was at <laughs> I was at a place there where I was like I was watching um my daughter's having soccer trials. I was watching her trials and I couldn't. And I was walking over there and I'm like thinking I can't look like this. So I so I did this thing, you know, like I did this, you know. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, I'm cooler now. But yeah, there you have it. So, but I do own a lot of Nordique stuff because I I'm a huge fan of this logo. Um. And I do believe that if the Nordiques return. They need to absolutely use this. Yep. Logo. But, it has to be called the Nordiques. None of this and none of this other like Winnipeg Jets thing where they go in this other direction with the uniforms. It's like, I'm, you, you know how it's going to go. They did, the, they, did, they did this with the Jets. They want they want to sell new apparel. So they're not going to go back to the old jersey. You know, the, They're not going to go back to the old Jets emblem, which everybody wanted. They went with this thing that's okay. And it's like, uh, but it's not... You know, it's not what people wanted, and they'll 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 give people that as a third jersey or or the Fleur de Lee or you know, it's right. more than likely it's not going to be. But I think Quebec will do that. Remember, supposed to flatten the brim. Yeah, so, that'll work. Because I'm yeah. like, I was taught that you do this right away. I actually like this one. Anyway, that's that's what I'm not. That's what they do in baseball. Act is they ground the you know like that sport that you don't like. Yeah, no, no. I mean the Nordiques. I think I think it's one of the top five uniforms of all time, the Quebec Nordiques uniforms. Um, and I'll definitely – I mean, I have one somewhere back there, I think. Um, yep, there it is. Top five. There you go. Yep. That's my Joe Sackick Quebec Nordiques jersey, actually. Um, but, yeah, they're they're amazing. And they and we need to, we need to get back to that as well. So, um, yeah, so like I said, if you have any questions, um, we'll start into some of the things that, that I'm talking about today. So today I talked about Panarin and um, – the Panarin thing, there is definitely this domino effect going on, as, as is always, but more so this year than in the past because we actually have some serious players still out there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Panarin, um, Panarin being one of them, and obviously, and, and, you know, I, I'm Skinner's, Skinner, Skinner going, that helped clear things up a little bit as far as, you know. But at Buffalo, I don't think it was ever going to be a place where, you know, Panarin or... No, it... it, no, it, it Skinner was going to Buffalo either, to be fair, so... But but I think, and this is the, and I was mentioning when when you were getting the door, um, the the Skinner deal I think is a problem for a number of teams in the sense that Carolina took back a rental price. They got three draft picks and a prospect for a player who they clearly wanted to get rid of his salary. They didn't want to pay the almost $6 million. They probably knew they weren't going to re-sign him or he told them that they weren't going to re he wasn't going to re-sign there. So, but it was a full year. It was a full year deal and they took a rental return. They got a rental return. And that, you know, from what we've discussed with Kevin Allen and what we've discussed numerous times over the last month or so, the, you know, the, in regards to Carlson, in regards to other players who have a year left in their contract, the reason the, that these guys didn't get moved is because teams are, are lowballing and offering what is, what is, what is, basically a rental price for a player who has a full season left and these teams are saying 
go screw yourself. I, I want more. And, you know, the price they think will go down as there's less and less time. But we know that prices get ramped up near the deadline. They do. They, they, they do. And um, although although these are unique situations because these are players that are they're not returning to their teams um, and that will go UFA. And now that we've seen a player go UFA, mm-hmm. you know, as we've discussed, this is definitely um, a factor now. But we'll see. You know, I, I think that if I was to say, you know, the Panarin in- in situation is really interesting because Columbus is a team that has to win, and they have to make they have to make the playoffs. I mean, they're they're going to make the playoffs, but they have to win in the playoffs. And and people forget how close they were last year. I mean, they this is a team that I believe I really do believe if they beat Washington and they were one goal away from going up three nothing on the Caps in that series, they've got to double overtime in Game Three after after winning the first two in Washington. If they win that Game Three. Who knows? We might be talking about the Jackets as like a Stanley Cup champion right now. I mean, it, that's how good they were. I really do feel that. And I feel that they were strong. And, and whether or not, you know, they may have – the interesting thing is they may not have matched up as well against Vegas. So that's something we'll never know. But that maybe we're talking about Vegas as Stanley Cup champions. But I do think that, uh, that this really played out well well for them. And, you know, and I think that Columbus is a team that is, it has to look at, like Panarin, like we're going to use him this year. We're going to – we're going to – we're going to think he's going to play his guts out because he wants to get a contract. We're going to take advantage of that and get the best we can get out of him. And I don't think they're moving him at the deadline. I don't think that's happening at all. I don't see any way, you know, I know we've had debates about that forever and, you know, we, I can point you to other shows. If you want to watch that debate, but um, there, <laughs> I don't want to get into it now, but I just think that I honestly think that Aaron and Columbus are going to ride this out. And, and then the same goes for, you know, for what they're looking at, you know, with Bob. Um, Bobrovsky is a is a funny, is an interesting goal. I mean, obviously they love him in Columbus. He's, he's played a couple, he's played out of his mind a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. But I've never gotten the sense that that still, and it's amazing to say that that they're 100% sold on him. And I said it sounds crazy, but I'm talking to people there. They've always been kind of ex- either expecting him to leave, expecting him to get hurt, wondering what's going to happen next. And there's, there's never been this sense of like he is our goalie for now and forevermore never gotten that in Columbus and you know I don't know I don't know where that's I don't I don't I mean I mean he can't do much else than he's done there and well yes and yes no I mean the, the, the I think the problem with with Bobrovsky and he has avoided this the last couple years but you know you remember two three years in a row he got hurt and he got hurt at the worst possible time. And um, when they had Curtis McElhaney as a backup goaltender, it, one year it cost them a playoff spot. The other year they barely snuck in. Um, they need Bobrovsky to play 60 to 65 games and be the goaltender that he is to for them to be able to compete in that division with Pittsburgh and Washington. And you know you're talking about the, the last three, the last three Stanley Cup champions. So it's it's a, it's a tough road to hoe for Columbus. And yeah, their only chance probably this year is to keep both of them and to keep them through the playoffs. But I continue to say, if you're getting to Say you're at February 28th. I don't know what the deadline is. I don't think they've established the, the deadline date yet. But if it's, say it's February 27th or 28th or whatever, and you're six points out of a playoff spot, if you're Yarmo Kekalainen, are you going to keep Panarin on the prayer that you're going to sneak into the playoffs? I, I think that's detrimental to the long-term future of that franchise because you can get a return for him. You can get, a, I think, a sizable return because he's an impact player, and you know he's leaving. You know it. I mean, this is – not this, signing there. I just – he's not – I mean, you have to think he's not signing there, but, you know, if they have a good run – I mean, you know, believe me, NHL people tend to be optimists, even even Finnish people. <laughs> even, even, even you know, even – I mean, they tend to have an optimistic tilt, tilt to them that if they win, you know, and Benaren suddenly – wants to stay and, and you know we've seen we have seen it before i mean i never thought you know i thought truba would be gone by now but he's not you know um whether or not he's going to be gone soon though is still possible uh so that's you know that's i just i think that the more important thing for columbus is a is a winning a round or two in the playoffs and i think i think it's there for them i do this is the, the youngest team you know that i think the two youngest offenses the two youngest teams in the nhl if i remember right were columbus and philadelphia last year and they're the two that are just um, – and two good teams. I mean, two teams that made the playoffs. So you're looking at a really at – at both of those teams. And that's why I think the same reason I say that Simmons isn't going anywhere. You know, it's just – this is these teams have a chance. They've got youth on their side. And uh, 
Okay, so let's get in. Let's get into some questions here. So, um, the uh, anything new about the expansion to Seattle? Uh, the latest I heard was not the greatest. I was just in Seattle for for uh, for a couple of days actually, and I talked to some people out there. I mean, it's happening. They're going to Seattle at some point. There's no question about it. Um, how exactly they pull it off, and there are some there are some complicated things. Seattle's not as easy to get stuff through and pass like all the proper ordinances and stuff like that as Vegas was. Um, that's what I was I was hearing. That Seattle's a little more, and Seattle's it's Seattle's no Long Island. This isn't like a lighthouse project we're talking about here, but there are issues. Um, well, that, last last week. Um, I know that the, there was a report in the in the Seattle um, the Seattle newspaper regarding the the uh, renovation of the key arena and that the expected price had gone up a hundred million bucks from six hundred to seven hundred million. Now they didn't say anything about an adjustment in the time frame, but they did say an adjustment in that and and what it was going to cost. And the, the 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 gist of the article was, and this is the thing I found interesting. They are more confident now regarding hockey being successful in Seattle based on the season ticket drive, based on you know the response, based on the fact that the 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 the, the majority of the people who had bought who'd made deposits were within like a five square mile radius of the the building. And but yeah. but that they but that the Lewickies who are the at the head of that that group are more concentrating right now on getting an NBA franchise and sort of almost taking for granted the fact that they got an NHL franchise. And the, I mean, that's not, I don't think, I mean, the NHL is going there, I think, to be the first tenant in Seattle. They don't want to be playing second fiddle to the NBA. And right now it seems the, the Wikis are concentrating more on that elusive NBA franchise than they are the team that, you know, the, the bird in the hand rather than the bird that they don't have. Yeah, no, I think the bird out of hand that would be. Um, yeah, I think it's always better to have a bird in hand. Um, so yeah, yeah. Unless it's eating out of your hand. No. Unless it's eating out of your hand, right? So I think no, I I think that I think you're I think you're right. There's no question they're going there. Um, I do question a little bit what year they're going there still. Um, well, we asked Kevin this. We asked Kevin this last week, and. And I, I, I'm not sure if it was the show. I, I think it was the show that you, you weren't on, not the one that earlier this week that you were on. But the question was getting Seattle into the league and getting that. And it's, remember, it's $650 million uh, entry fee. Getting that done before the, the this current CBA expires because right now that is not considered hockey rela related revenue. And one thing. Yeah. that we know is that the players will use anything they can get their hands on. And so will the owners, any aspect to get a little leverage and to use as a negotiating point, just like the Olympics will be for the owners to the players. The expansion fee might be for the players to the owners. So I think they want to get this done before 2022. So they get, uh, you know, they don't have a, uh, the hands of the players involved at all. in that $650 million. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Um, next question. Uh, this comes from Twitter. Um, this is that uh, Newton Fall? Um, no, yes. At, no, at, er, at Idris Devil. Um, asking, what's with the hole in Mike's ceiling? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I uh, Back in the day, I had a uh, – I, I, I hooked up a, uh, a boxing um, – a, a bag, a punching bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now the the ceiling tiles. There was a leak from the upstairs, and they sort of sagged and fell off. So there's a hole. That's it. That's not a great story. That's but I put but I put a, I put a punching bag there because it was a, a a wooden beam exposed. So I put I used a, a punching bag, and it was good for alleviating frustration, especially when the Leafs lost. There you go. There you go. Um, uh, <laughs> Funky Cold Sedina, which is an excellent name in our chat room. I wouldn't give you credit for that. Um, yes. Used to call Yuri. Used to call him Yuri the Funky Called Redina. Remember Redina? Yes. Anyway, so you, Funky Called Sedina uh, asks, "Is this is this Mark Bergevin's last season in Montreal?" And uh, it's, this is a big question, obviously, um, and it's interesting because right after that, Julian uh, Filion, I want to say, Julian Filion, 
Uh, Bergevin will not be his last year. Come on, Molson has 100% trust in him. All right, so here you have the two arguments, right? And I, it's Bergevin is such an interesting GM on so many levels to me because he is. I like a lot of the moves he made. I did not understand tying his wagon to Michelle Terrian at all, and I thought that I thought that tying himself to Michelle Terrian because he would make moves and Terrian wouldn't play players that he would bring in um, over and over again. This happened, and it really to me that was like a, that. That's where the whole thing sort of fell apart because I mean, the coach, if you're making, if you're going out of your way to make a good move to bring somebody in. You know, like when they brought in Devontae, like bring out that, for example, you know, like a guy we just saw had a great, you know, playoff and, you know, they brought him in and Terry wouldn't play him. They brought in Briere and Terry wouldn't play him. They brought in um, Zanuck, Terry wouldn't play him. There were certain situations that they were, and, you know, so he now, since, since then, now he's with Julianne and Julianne is, um, you know, obviously a better coach than, in my opinion, a better coach than Michelle Terry, but They've been they're they're sort of playing catch up to a lot of things that they did back then, and you know this year I mean the move I mean I mean the moving of Galchenyuk which has been rumored forever and needed to happen a couple of years ago. And there's another guy that you know Terrian didn't play or Terrian right, right, that Terrian kind of messed up and or at least and then Julian you know I mean Galchenyuk has two coaches that couldn't get any get the right things out of him so you can say that Julian. Well, see again. I don't know if it's the getting the right things out of him, as opposed to the player doing what the coach wants. They want they they want Galchenyuk, who is a talented offensive player, to be to to uh, be a presence defensively. Otherwise, he's a problem because you're putting him out there 15, 16, 17 minutes a night. And if he's as much of a defensive liability as he is an off, as he is offensively gifted, then it negates his value. And now, and you've got two guys who stress defense and Tarion and Julian, and they both came to the same conclusion uh, on Galchenyuk. Now, you know, he gets a fresh start in Arizona and for his sake, I hope, you know, he has learned his lesson and maybe they, don't, they're not considering him a number one center. Maybe he's going to be an, he's going to be a number two, and that will alleviate the, some of the pressure that uh, he faced uh, under two coaches in Montreal. But I, I, you know, I think that in Montreal the cure all was Carey Price, and Terrian benefited from that. And when Carey Price had injuries, then you saw what how how talented or lack thereof. That team was, and you also remember that the big, the reason Terrian got to stay on as long as he did, I thought, was the long run he had in the playoffs that one year, where Carey Price was injured. Right, so that was that was an interesting thing too. Um, they went on this crazy run in the playoffs, went to the conference finals, I think, right, and and couldn't get any further. Eventually, knocked out by Boston. I want to say it was what in, in the conference final was the Rangers. Was the Rangers? Yeah, when when Kreider ran into uh, Price, and then it was Dustin Tokarski took over. Right, Tokarski, and I mean they, but they had a great run with backup goalies, and they then they continued, you know, they continued to make it work. I mean, so you're right. I mean, Price does obviously, you know, we saw what happens with Mark Andre Fleury this year. A great goalie makes a huge difference and can erase lots of mistakes. And I mean, the difference if you want to go the difference between the Edmonton Oilers between this layer, this year and the year before, it all you have to do is look at Cam Talbot. I mean, that's that to me, that's that's the difference, right? Cam Talbot was amazing two years ago. Last year struggled. You know, they gave up just as many chances. The Oilers did. You know, the Oilers it wasn't like the Oilers' defense suddenly got worse. They really didn't. It was really the fact that you know Talbot made saves on those the year before. I think it was a little both in Edmonton. I mean, you you had a couple defensemen who really played. I think better than anybody expected in Clefbaum and Larson and, and Talbot covered up for them too. And then last year Talbot was, you know, human and, and Clefbaum was injured and Larson was not as good as he was the previous year. And, you know, the thing is in Montreal, it's like, if you don't have price standing on his head, you know, you're depending on, you've got one really established good scorer in Pacioretty that you've had the last few years, your center position has been weak at best. Uh, and it's, and it's still, and it really still is. They have failed to address that. 
Uh, and, and when they did address it, they address it with players who aren't centers, meaning Jonathan Drouin, who's a winger, and they're going to they're gonna perpetuate that mistake by continuing to play Jonathan Drouin at center. When I, which I, you know, this is this is the thing. There, you know, you've had Galchenyuk, who's a winger, or maybe is not a number one center, and they put him at number one center. You've got Duran, who's not a number one center, maybe he's a number two, but they're going to put him at number one because they don't have any other answer. They keep going down this road of putting players in bad positions, and that's a sign, I, I think, of bad management. Yeah, I, I, I think it is too, and I, I think that you know, I mean, I do think that the talent, the, the talent is not. I, I, I have a tough time burying Montreal as much as most people do. Um, and I, I still want to see where this goes because I think that there's a lot of talent there. I think last year was, you know, they weren't as good as they were. This has been the case with Montreal over the last several years. You know, when they've, they've had these incredible starts and they're not that good. And then they've had these arbor landings and they're not that bad. Right. So there's, we're not seeing the real Montreal in my mind. Um, we end up with something in the middle and I think that there's, there's more there to it, you know, um, but let's ask another question here. Let's get off of Montreal. Um, this is Chris Plaza wants to know, um, Eck, where will Zadina play in the Wings lineup this year? Um, and this also goes into a question that someone else asked earlier, and I'm sorry I forgot who it was, but um, someone asked about, you know, the situation with Zetterberg, because they obviously tie together, um, even though, you know, Zadina's a winger. And I think that uh, from all indications, I've heard that is going to play with Dylan Larkin. And I think that that's going to be – a dynamic duo if there ever was one. I mean, you're talking about crazy speed, crazy abilities. I mean, the only thing I would say about that is Larkin does love to carry the puck, um, and so does Zadina. So I sometimes have issues with, you know, when you have two guys that really want to carry the puck up the ice. Um, but, I, you know. I know I know that, and, and I agree with what you're saying. He's going to be – if he's playing with the wings and everybody expects him to, and there's no reason to not expect that to happen – He's going to play in their top six on the wing, either with Larkin or if Zetterberg is healthy, Zetterberg, and if not, then I'm not sure who their number two is. But you know that he'll play. He'll play top six, and he'll play power play time probably. But you know, if he say he doesn't have a good preseason, um, there's a question, and Russ and I were talking about this of whether. You know, he was loaned or not loaned to Halifax and whether he can go to the AHL or not go to the AHL or if he has to go back to the Halifax, Halifax Mooseheads. So we really don't know where that stands right now. And I'm sure, you know, Ken Holland has a line on what they can do with him. And we know that this organization over the few years have had a habit of, you know, for lack of a better term, overcooking their prospects and letting them mature within Grand Rapids. Now, this is a guy who was taken in the top, you know, in the top six of the draft. You know, he's a he's a I think he should have been a top three pick. I think they really lucked out getting him where they did. And, you know, I expect him to be in the NHL this year, but you, you never know. So let's let's wait until the preseason and see how he plays. Yeah. Uh, the next question comes in. Uh, I like this question too. This is a good one. This is why I really like we have such a great group of people. Um, in our chat room, and, and you guys are amazing. Thanks so much. And thanks to those of you who have joined um, on to patreon.com slash hockey and help support the show. We really appreciate that more than you can know. Um, so um, Caleb asks, how long do you think it'll take Kalen Addison to make the pens? Um, any chance he could be ready by 2020, which is when Justin Schultz's contract comes off the books? I mean, that's a, I mean, that would be a question probably better asked to, to Russ because he's more aware, more aware of, of him. Um, as a defenseman, I think 2020 is realistic. I think that, you know, you can't, you can't expect, he's obviously not coming in this year. Um, next year would be a stretch, you know, to 2019. And he's a, he's a first round pick. He's a good pick. I mean, he's a good, he's a really, really heavy prospect. You know, people love him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I honestly, with defensemen, uh, and th this is the rule of thumb with defensemen. Uh, only the you know the almighty, the, the Mount Rush, the Mount Rushmore of defensemen currently playing, like Drew Doughty, play immediately. You know, right. Aaron, Aaron Ekblad, I'm sure Sam, uh, uh, Rasmus Dahlin is going to. Very few of them make the NHL as an 18 year old. Right. 19 years old, it's still special players. So at the absolute minimum, I would say it would be probably in his third pro season as a 20-year-old. But I would say, you know, unless unless 
uh, any defenseman, uh, you know, exceeds expectations, it's probably three to four years before they're in the NHL. So I would say, you know, I'll use I'll use the the Leafs as an example. I know people are tired of that, but go, I'm sorry. You know, Travis Dermott was a second round pick in 2015. He played his first games in 2018. That's, you know, three years after his draft year. And he is considered a very good prospect. That's more than likely what most defensemen, it's going to take him three to four years. Yeah. I mean, look at guys like, you know, even guys like, you know, Provorov, who was incredibly, you know, mature. Yeah. You know, he came in, it took a year, you know, it took him, it took him time to, where he gets to the NHL. And, and it's a smart, it's a smart thing to do for defense, especially on a team that doesn't have like a really solid defense. Um, Cause the Penguins are more of, are more of a defense by offense team. You know, that's their offense is their defense. Um, and plus, plus you have to, you have to consider this as well, especially, especially with the rising cost of defensemen. Um, you you do not want to burn their first year of their contract and start the ticking start the clock ticking on free agency when they're still forming themselves as players. You with these players, if they're on an entry level deals and they're playing in junior or they're playing in the American Hockey League, in the case of a guy like Timothy Lilligren, who was uh, a first round pick last year and played a full year in the AHL, their contract slides. So their contracts really don't start until they play 10 games in the NHL. And that's what these teams want. They want to keep these defensemen as long as possible, and they don't want to start the clock while they're still learning the position. So they're going to hold off and hold off and hold off until they absolutely need to put them in the league, and then the clock starts. Yep, yep, I agree with that. Um, that Vepsis, who would seem to be the leading candidate at the moment for the GM of the Seattle team, based on the free market, which people are available, or even assistant GMs, which would seem a good fit for the job. Um yeah, this is, I mean, I think that, and there are some really good assistant gems out there, but I, I think that if you're starting an expansion team like this, I think what we what we learned is you really you really need a seriously experienced GM to do it. Um, um, and someone who's been a GM, not just an assistant GM. I really believe that. I think that, well, you know, I mean, some people are, like Dave Tippett is one of the guys you've heard mentioned, right? And he is a coach mainly, but he also is a great talent evaluator, so. But he, yeah, he had he had you know uh, a a say so in the management with Arizona in his last year or so there. I, the funny thing was, I you know I was thinking about you know that Hartford Whaler connection and thinking maybe that Ron Francis would be uh, a guy that would fit in there as a, as a GM with with Tippett as the next head coach. I mean. I mean, right now, I, I have I, I don't know if you have that. I haven't heard of anything in terms of an indicator of you know we heard we heard about George McPhee a long time before he actually a name that comes up a lot and that's Ken Holland. Um, and I mean with Seattle, that's come up quite a bit. Right, but he signed a two-year extension with Detroit, and the thing is, if he was gonna take on that Seattle job, it's you know a lot of the groundwork has to be laid before you start drafting expansion you know, players in, ex in the expansion draft and setting up scouting and all that. And it's like, I would think that him signing an extension with Detroit eliminates him as a possibility as a general manager. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, I mean, I think that it, it definitely makes it less likely. Although like we said, we don't know what year Seattle is coming in. So it's perhaps he, you know, it's perhaps to come in a little bit later and then he can do it or he does one year and asks for permission to go, which teams will usually generally do, um, let them let somebody go. I mean, not not always as easy when you're doing a sideways move like this, but, you know, like an assistant GM to jump in and take it. I mean, there were, you know, if you look at the actual, like, experienced GMs, you got, like, Dean Lombardi out there, you know. Um, he's somebody who has had experience, and he's, he's available. Um, that's maybe an interesting call there. Um you know, I, I like Dean Lombardi. I'm not, I think, I think I've never been as big a fan of Lombardi as a lot of people have been, but he did obviously, you know, built a Stanley cup champion in LA, you know, and, you know, really obviously, you know, has proven to be, I mean, he's got tons of experience. So he's one of those guys, he's very similar to McPhee in that way. So, you know, it's probably the most similar thing is to McPhee would be Lombardi in terms of somebody who's just completely free and out there and can get, um, but Holland, I would say, would be a would be an upgrade. 
Um, I mean, Mark Hunter, people talked about Mark Hunter. That's an example of a guy who is, you know, who's got a lot of, um, a lot yeah, of the, right the only thing I hesitate on with Mark Hunter and, uh, you know, I, I'm not calling into question his qualifications because I think he, he very easily could have been the choice in Toronto if, if, Kyle Dubas was not on the scene is the fact that he will, he will be, even though he's been a GM in London for years, he'll be a first time NHL general manager. Yeah. And, you know, I think the lesson was learned from McPhee in Vegas is, you know, he was a long time GM in the, in the NHL. And if Seattle takes any, uh, you know, any kind of indication from, Vegas, I think they're going to want to go down that road as well. That's why I said a guy like Francis, who had been a GM in the, in the league for years, but you know, as you as you mentioned, Lombardi and a couple other people, there are plenty of guys ex with experience out there. So it's you know, the field is open. The field is wide open. I like that we have that that, that Mike Milbury's name has been thrown into the chat room. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's for people who don't want to hear his color commentary on TV. Where's Dan Petru when you need him to help us out with how Mike Milbury would be? Um, yeah, he'd, he'd be curling up in a ball right now if he heard the name Mike yeah, Milbury. That's definitely the truth. Isn't that crazy? Um, yeah, I mean Lombardi did, and let me put this in the chat room. And I do agree. Be, there were some bad contracts that, that in LA that he's got to deal with, but at the same time, that happens when you win three Stanley Cups. I mean, the reality of it, you know, you're going to have bad contracts, you know, and um, when you win Stanley Cups, that's what goes on. Unfortunately, that's just. Lay rolls. Um, the PTO. So uh, Michael G. Farr wants to know any players getting PTO contracts that are rumored. It's funny. The PTOs have really been under the radar so far, and they usually are picking up by now. Uh, there are a couple that have gotten it out there, but yeah, uh, Dupre, Simone Dupre for uh, for Montreal. But I think I, mean, I think basically they're gonna they're going to probably pick up in the next week or so because remember where it's August 16th. Now camps do not start until September 13th and 14th. It's about a month away from real camp. I mean, there yeah. will be some other camps like little camps that happen before that, but yeah, I mean, rookie tournaments and things of that nature happen before then, but, but the actual camp, like, and I know if, in the example of Toronto last year, Roman Polak, who had been with him the previous year, he signed a PTO the day of the opening of training camp. So, you know, and, and in previous years, um, I mean, remember Mason Raymond being invited on a PTO uh, and it was at the end of the rookie tournament, the final day. So, I think that you're going to see most of those announcements happening probably after Labor Day and before uh, training camp. But I, I mean, if you look at the list of uh, available unrestricted free agents, I mean, a guy like Tobias Enstrom, who I think there was a report he's going to he's he's skating with a team in the SHL. I don't know if that means he's going to sign with them, but uh, yeah, that probably means he's not getting a lot of offers here. But uh, you know, Kerry uh, Lettinen. Paul Martin, Troy Brower will probably get a PTO somewhere. Steve Mason. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a number of names out there that I think could be candidates, but you know, maybe teams are just waiting until the eleventh hour to do it. Yeah, I mean, we are. I mean, when you look at the there's certain guys out there. I, I agree, and I think that you're going to see. I mean, you have some RFA's out there. Um, you know, that are they really can't go anywhere until they figure out what they're doing. But there's a couple of them I think that you could see going somewhere. Um, yeah. you know, the bet, the, one of the interesting RFAs that just to bring up this inside, um, is Darnell nurse, you know, who has not really been talked about that much. Well, it's going to get talked about more with the, the news that happened a couple of days ago of Andre Sakara having an Achilles injury and possibly being out for the entire season. I mean, if I'm Darnell nurse's agent, I'm dancing a jig right now because it just gives him more leverage to get, to get more money out of the Oilers. And, you know, the, I mean, where are the Oilers going to go? I mean, uh, we were talking about it yesterday with uh, with Russ and 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 uh, and Pete Weber. Is uh, you you can't go go to Evan Bouchard, their first round pick of this year. You know, he's 18 years old. I mean, if unless unless the the, the the Oilers continue to go down the road of stupidity and rushing kids, you know, and ruining them, some of them they ruined, like you know, Nail Yakupov, and maybe to a lesser extent, a guy like uh, a guy like Nugent Hopkins. I don't think has realized what people, you know, what people thought he was going to be. And I think that was that was part of the fact that he came in at 18 years old or 19 years old. It's like it's too soon for some of these players. Yeah, it, it is too soon. It's really tough. Um, 
it's 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 really it's obviously tough for certain teams in certain situations. Like we talked about Brady Kachuk, you know, and um, that's a that's a really tough spot for Ottawa to be in because they need him badly this year, probably to keep themselves from you know finishing last and losing that draft pick. But at the same time, you want him to develop. So what I mean, I think I've I've you know we've had, we've had different opinions on that too. But I think he's going to stick around. Um, for a while, and I, I think he's going to. I think they've told him he's going to stay on the team. I, I don't think he would have left college otherwise. But that's hard to say. We've talked about that a lot. Um, let's move on though to um, this is a good one by goalie FP. Who will be this year's William Carlson? Um, which is like who will make the jump? And that is always so hard. I mean, that's like that is like you know picking a lottery. Um, yeah, who's who's going to jump from six to forty three goals? Let me see. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, let's let you know. It's it's hard. I mean, it's hard, but there's there are some names that, that do jump out at you a little bit. I mean, someone put Nolan Patrick on there. That could that's not really a, a wouldn't be a surprise though. That you do expect Nolan Patrick to be a thirty goal scorer in the NHL at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think guys in their second years. I mean, you could say a Pierre Luc Dubois is going to score more than you know than he did in in his rookie year in Columbus. I mean. But that's tough. I mean, you're, you're talking about Carlson, who remember he was on his third NHL team. He went from Anaheim to Columbus to yeah. Vegas, uh, and he jumped like like we said, as a basically getting third, fourth line minutes at most, and getting six goals to to being a first, eventually a first line, second line guy scoring 43. It's you know, I mean, let me break out my crystal ball. It's tough to really predict somebody breaking out like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you one. I'll give you one guy who didn't play in the NHL last year, but he played in the past, uh, and he's come back to the NHL. Who I think could have a breakout year, and that's depending on who he plays with, and that's Valerie Nikushkin. I think Nikushkin could score thirty goals. If yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good one. He's a good one. Um, I am. You know, I mean, you know, the guy that I think is is, is going to be interesting this year is um, Puyarvi in Edmonton. And I think that that he's a guy at some point. You know, I mean, he's he had a, he had a good year last year at the end of the year when he played a little bit in Edmonton. Um, remember, he's part of that class, you know, uh, you know that was really that was um, Austin Matthews and uh, Line, A, Line A and yeah, Line A and um, I mean Luke Dubois, who was another one who could possibly be, you know, Pierre Luke Dubois could, could be another could have another really could have a jump through season too. But I, I like PRV for I think if they can just get him. You know, in the right situation there, if he can, if he does end up playing a little bit with McDavid, um, that's a guy you know can really can really jump out. The statistics can be. I, I think Edmonton's going to have a strong year. I think that they're going to be back. Um, See, I mean, I, I I think the others have two guys that sort of fit that, and you know, uh, I mean, Poyarvi's a year older, but Kaylor Yamamoto, who yeah. ended up going back to the WHL, um, is extremely talented. Um, but you know, that's the thing. Not everybody can play with McDavid. It's like, it's, it's, you're sort of like, okay, well, if he plays with McDavid, yeah, there's only one McDavid. If you had two of them, then it would be, it would be great, but there's only one. And the other guy has to play, you know, depending on whether Dreisaitl plays number two center or Nugent Hopkins plays number two, you have to have players who play with, well, with those guys to be successful. And that's why it's like, I mean, I Pooley probably, better suited since he's a year older and he played in the American hockey league to making that step and maybe being surprising. But, yeah. you know, I'm a little surprised at, at the fact that he hasn't been as good as people expected now yeah. going into year three of his pro career. Yeah. I mean, he has, I mean, this, this, he's got, I mean, this is a big year for him. You know, he's got, he's got to step out there and, and this is last chance to show that he was worth what they were talking about, you know, like I don't know about last chance, but I think you know if 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 he doesn't if he doesn't succeed, if they don't give if if they put him with with uh, if they put him with McDavid and he doesn't have a level of success, then I think you you're you're starting to talk about him like you talk about Jake Vertanen in Vancouver, where he's a little bit of a disappointment. He still might be a good player, but then it's like, okay, does this guy need to go someplace else and get a change of scenery? I mean, we'll see what happens, but I mean, that's that'll be the talk if he disappoints again this year. For sure. Um, okay, so um, here's a good one. The uh, Adam second. Uh, okay, it's um, I can't find who asked it. I'm sorry. Oh, here it is. Uh, Matt Everly. Um, 
Who do you think is going to be the third? Who's going to win the third spot? Center for the Flyers has come up coming upcoming season, which is a really good battle. Um, yeah, I mean, right now it's it's Jordan Wheels' job, but and I, because he's obviously a little bit younger, I mean, a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. But the two guys that are sitting back waiting on this are, you know, two really good players. Um, and you, know, you have you have German Rubstuff, who, um, you know, real, who is a 16 draft, and then of course Morgan Frost, who is a 17 draft. And these are two centers that will eventually, you know, be on the Flyers. It's just a matter of where. I think um, I wouldn't be shocked if German wins that job. I mean, he, he really impressed me last year in general. He, you know, he's part of the Memorial Cup winning team. He was really something. I mean, he has all the tools. He's really he's solid overall. He, he's a very good two-way player. He's really smart. Um, and he's like he feels like a perfect third-line center. I mean, if you go you know, behind Tourier Patch, and Patrick, you know, it really makes sense, I think, you know, where Frost is still probably a year away. Yeah. Uh, but but I could see, I mean, German could be a year away too, but I think that this could be, I wouldn't be shocked. He would be the guy I would look at if you're gonna, someone's going to jump up. I know, um, I think it was um, Russ, who, um, and I, I like this guy too, is Mikhail Vorobiev, um, who um, we saw last year in the in the preseason. And he's he was really, really looked good in the preseason. I mean, very good in the preseason, and we were kind of surprised that he didn't get more of a look. Um, but yeah, the, the Flyers have, have a deep have, have some deep talent pool. I mean, they, they really this is a team that can make a trade if they want to because they have a lot of prospects. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I and I, and I know we've discussed. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure if the same person asked the same question, but you know, obviously the one-two center-wise with the Flyers will be Couturier and and Patrick. A lot of talk about Scott Lawton being a potential third, and it, you know, I, I don't know whether Laterra has the speed to be a third-line center anymore. Russ Russ questions whether yeah. whether he does, but he does have the experience, and maybe maybe that's the way that they go. But I mean, yeah. if, if they if if it's Laterra and Lawton, Laterra becomes a fourth line, Lawton becomes a third line, but I think, but at the same time, um, Lawton is pretty much shown to be a really good fourth line center, um, and and he, he's because he's solid, he's smart, he can play, he can penalty kill. It's a little thing you want out of a fourth line center, you know, like that. And he, that's what he does really well. Um, I mean, there are some guys on the Flyers when you look at like Dale Weiss. I I, I don't think he's going to be a part of this team um, very much moving forward. I mean, right now there's projected to have him in there, but there's other guys that I think they could find. A lot more time for and they have so many good young players that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna probably i can see deal we can move out the fourth line right now you know raffles on the projection on the third line he's he, fourth line he could always move up well you know one of the underrated guys last year from the flyers that people don't really know too much about i don't think around the nhl was oscar Lindblom, who was really good um and way better than i think anyone expected you know i think that um, Limblom showed, I mean, he's young still, but he showed a ton of ability and, and some really nifty, like, you know, skill that, that a high, high level of skill, but way higher level than, than I expected. Um, the one play, if the Flyers are going to move anybody, people talk about Wayne Simmons. I don't think it's Wayne Simmons. If the Flyers move anybody, I think it's going to be Voracek, honestly. I think that they would love to move Voracek. Um, and Voracek still has, has some value out there because he's still, He's an assist machine. He puts up he puts up numbers like crazy. Yeah, but I can think of eight and eight and a quarter million reasons and six oh, yeah. reasons why that's not going to happen. Situation where you know, yeah, you're looking at. I mean, I do a blog usually right about the time of you know teams trading salary cap issues for other salary cap issues. This is one of those situations. Um, but yeah, uh, I think you're. I think they're. This is a good team. This is a playoff team, and I. This is a better team. Uh, Laterra really is a. And someone said Dale Weiss and Laterra were two of Hextall's um, bad moves. I think they were, but it, it, you know it, that's a little bit of twenty twenty. I mean, Laterra was more of a situation that wasn't really Laterra. They were after they were after Frost when they made the Braden Shen trade. That's what they wanted to get. Laterra they had to get because the Blues had to move out cap space to make that happen. So they ended up with Laterra, who they tried to sell hard to everybody in the beginning that he was going to be. Than he was, but he really is. Uh, we, we say he's um, he basically finished for Matt Reed, but yeah, he's um, he's gonna be 
and, and you know, I, I think I think you know Frost is going to be a, a very good player, but and he had a great year in the OHL last year with Sault Ste. Marie, but he's on the radar for Hockey Canada for the World Junior this year in in Victoria and uh, Vancouver, and I think you know as a 19 year old, he's probably going to. He'll be a number. He'll be. Remember, Susan Marie has a one-two punch up the middle with Barrett Height and the uh, the Coyotes' first-round pick from this year, fifth overall, and Frost. So they're going to be a, a, probably a leading contender for the uh, you know the OHL representation in the in the uh, in the Memorial Cup this year. I I you know if unless he just absolutely stands on his head at training camp, I think Morgan Frost is going back to the Sioux for one more year. And uh, getting some international experience, but he's really talented, and I mean, he could push. But I, I think he's going to end up back in the OHL for another year. Yeah, yep, yep, agreed. Um, uh, Cameron Young asks, "Why do you think the trade action this offseason has been so little? By that I mean so quiet. Too many rumors, not enough action." Um, well, quite often when you have like a, a summer like this, and it hasn't been totally dead, but it has been, you know, more dead than you than we kind of thought it would be based on the number of players that are you know, this is it's rare that we have this many players available in the offseason for trade mm-hmm. that's the first thing so that there's a supply and demand thing that's bringing the price down like then that definitely happened with skinners we saw um but you know i think that patch you know, we're going to see patch be traded before the regular season starts I, I heard somebody today talk about talking about that on the radio and saying that it looked more and more like patch was going to start with the canes i just don't buy that based on what i've heard um it's possible of course um but I just I think they're gonna they're gonna cut their losses there and move them out like like they did like Carolina did with Skinner, which isn't you know isn't necessarily great because Montreal fans aren't gonna love it because they're not gonna get back anything that helps immediately, but they will get some some prospects down the line. I see. I think that they have to they absolutely have to get one young roster player in a deal for Pacioretty. They cannot do a deal. Similar to Skinner for Pacioretty. Bergevin, you think Bergevin has been burned in effigy for P.K. Subban and for for Domi for Galchenyuk? If they, I mean, if they don't, if they don't get something of consequence back for a guy who scored, you know, thirty goals every year except for last year. I mean, you know, I I I just can't see. I mean, I think you know they're probably getting offers that are comparable to Skinner and that's why he hasn't been moved yet. And I, and I'm saying that they might eventually move off of that, but I don't think they'll move off of that. If that's all they're getting in terms of offers until probably American Thanksgiving, I think he'll start the season with the Habs if they keep getting rental offers. Yeah, maybe. Um, I just think that's a bad situation. I think they need to move him out. Um, right. But they, they need somebody to step up. They need somebody to offer something that's worth their while. You would think that, I mean, I thought that I actually thought Skinner would bring back more than Pacioretty would bring. Um, yeah. You know, when I was looking back, when I, when, if I was to say at the beginning of this, you would ask me, you know, who was going to bring back more, I thought Skinner would get more back. Because um, he's younger, right? And I think. Yeah, he's that, 26. But, he, but they're, I mean, they're two completely different players. Skinner is a water bug. He's fast. He's very skilled. Pacioretty is a, I mean, he's he's a pretty good skater, but he's a big body. Yeah. And he's. Yeah, he's a he's. I, mean, I don't know if I can say he's a power forward, but he's closer to being a power forward than Skinner is, and he, I think he's a top line winger. So that's what you know. That's the that's the recompense that uh, that Montreal is looking for is is equivalent to that of a power forward, and they're probably not getting anything close to what they want for him. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay, uh, this is a good one here. So I was. So basically, the question was, and they've been asked a couple of times by different people, do we think that uh, Doug Wilson will, will land Panarin? Do we think that like San Jose is going to get Panarin? Um, and I do think that it's, I do think they're one of the possibilities. I think they're one of the strongest possibilities too. Mm-hmm. But from what I've heard so far, um, and everything that we've been told so far is that the offers are just not there for them. Uh, and you know, you have to move. You have to move Thomas Hurdle in that deal, and yes. that has to happen. That's just the bottom line. And that, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, Hurdle from an Aaron straight up doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it might make some sense, you know, based on what has happened so far. 
it does it does make sense in in the situation where again Columbus knows that Panarin is not going to resign there. And he's a rental, right? So at this point, you know, um, and it was Slasher as that. Um, and and Hurdle Hurdle's making a little over. Four, he's making in the four million range. It's a little more than that, but for four years. So you know, again. If Columbus is getting somebody for four years who's a pretty good player, he's not even close to being the type of player that Panarin is. But at least he's somebody who's young, who's talented, who can, you know, score you twenty goals. I mean, that's that's a that's a decent return on an, on a contract on a, on a player that you know is not going to be there at this you know by this point next year. So that's where Yarmo Kekalainen's got to make his decision. You know, if if he's saying you know oh, we're not going to move him at all for anything, okay, then you're resigning yourself to to having this big gap in your lineup when you go to training camp in 2019, because yeah. I don't think you're getting a, a free agent or somebody of the same consequence as Artemi Panarin coming to Columbus. Yeah. And I mean, if, and if Panarin, if, if, and San Jose, it might make sense for them to rent him, you know, because San Jose is close. They're close enough that they could be a factor. I mean, I think the West is wide open. I mean, I really do. I think that when you look at what you have out there, I mean, Vegas obviously is the defending champion of the Western conference, right? So, no one, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine Vegas doing that again. Um, it really is. It was hard to imagine doing it the first time. So, um, someone asked about Peterson in Vancouver. Um, and or is it Peterson or Peterson? Is Peterson? Uh, Elias Peterson. Elias Peterson, right. Thank you. I'm thinking of the old Peterson in Vancouver. Jorgen Pet like Jorgen Peterson. Yeah, Jorgen Peterson, who is another, who someone I think was suggesting could be the next William Carlson. I think that's a good call. That's not a bad call. Um, Jorgen Pe Jurgen Pedersen's a heck of a player. He's a good young player. I mean, it wouldn't shock anyone for him to come up and step up like that. Um, Monkey oh, Colt Zenum is hilarious. To ask me if I'm going to get a Carter Hutton Sabres jersey. <laughs> and uh, I asked Pete Weber yesterday whether, Cart whether Carden Carter Hutton was going to do color commentary for the Sabres. My goodness. Well, he did it for the. He did it. He did it nationally. Oh, he did it for the record straight. That Carter Hutton and I are buddies. I like Carter Hutton. He's a good guy. <laughs> Carter Hutton, I think he's a sure good. Sure, you do. People think I hate him. I just because, just because, a long time ago, I said that the national. <laughs> long time ago, you said he sucked. No, I told you, I never, I never, ever. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm joking, folks. <laughs> never. I simply said that at the time, the Predators were a good team, and I wanted them to have a different, another, a more experienced backup. If they got now, that was before Carter Hutton. Went and did what he did last year, which was show that he could actually play serious minutes. And you know, so I was wrong. Um, and that's, that's the whole idea, you know. Um, I have a better chance of getting a Niemi Habs jersey, though. That I could see. Yeah, someone asked me that question. I, I'm an anti Niemi fan. Like I like Andy. I've always liked Andy. Um, well, we know we know actually get a Jake Gardner jersey. Oh, jeez. There we go. Everyone drink. Um, no one wants to know your favorite cookie, Mike. Sorry, what was that? You want to know your favorite cookie? My favorite cookie. Yeah. Uh chocolate chip. I'm bored. Just straight up chocolate chip. Huh? I'm a very boring man. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not true. Well, yeah, maybe. Sure. Lemon sugar butter. There you go. <laughs> I have to simply say that there is only one cookie that 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 I will just totally lose my mind on and stop and not stop eating. And that would be an Oreo cookie, which I think is a phenomenal cookie. Not any any kind of Oreo. You mean like the, no, like the not the double shot is ridiculous. The double, the double stuff, the the mint, the that mint. That's that's like breaking one of the commandment of gluttony to me. So I'm like that's too much double stuff. The thin ones are are also ridiculous, but Oreos are phenomenal. The well, orange, the orange, the pumpkin flavored, no, which straight up. Russell have a Russell have a stroke when he sees pumpkin spice Oreos. There are all kinds of Oreos. Um, the mint Oreos are pretty good. I agree. Gaffney said in the chat room. Um, Nutter butters are addictive. That's a good one. Um, you know, Vienna figures. Uh, grasshoppers are great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not really a cookie person. Um, my, I'm not. Believe it or not, a sweets person, which is kind of strange because I. I am. Can't you tell? <laughs> I, uh, you know, I mean, I drink plenty of like 
Like, I mean, I'm drinking a chocolate milk now. So, I mean, for what it's worth. So, I mean, there you have it. From good a half old, gallon of chocolate milk? Good old Wawa chocolate milk. You can't beat it. It's like a, it's like 99 cents for this. There's way too much chocolate milk drink in one sitting, but there you have it. Um, yeah, I could eat a whole box of Oreo cookies, no question about it. And I have. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's all the time we have for today. The fun, fun time as always, guys. Thanks so much for joining us in the chat room and asking questions tomorrow. It, it's supposed to be just Russ and I, but Mike, Mike might be joining us from the road. But um, we'll see where we go from there. I've got some interesting things I'm going to be announcing shortly, so stay tuned for that. I've got, I've got a fun project that I'm working on that I think everyone's going to like and get into. But um, we will discuss that when it gets there. But remember to go to patreon.com slash hockey. If you like the show, if you want to support it, just even like with like five bucks a month will be fantastically wonderful. Um, and, uh, you know, we would, it would really help help out a lot because, you know, we do this basically it's a labor of love and we don't have sponsors here really right now. We, not that we don't want them, but, you know, sponsors on podcasts are hard to find. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? So if you can support us, patreon.com slash hockey. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.